Please turn with me in our Bibles this morning uh, to the Gospel according to Mark. And we're turning this morning to Mark chapter 15. In the Church Bibles, you'll find this on page 852. Mark chapter 15. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who, who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. We make uh, decisions every day. Uh, some of those decisions are relatively insignificant. Uh, what we have for breakfast, uh, what pair of socks we put on, uh, they have little consequences long term. But other decisions that we make, other choices that we make, uh, have a long term uh, effect because they set us on a certain trajectory. Our life is altered and shaped by those decisions. And this morning, as we're turning back uh, to Mark's Gospel, We are looking at decisions and choices that are being made. But what we want to look at especially is the condemnation sentence that is brought against Jesus by Pilate. And we want to see that because Jesus was condemned uh, by Pilate, all who trust in him can be delivered uh, from their bondage to sin. We want to look at these verses really in a couple of different ways. We want to think about the choice that was made by the crowd. Uh, a choice between Barabbas and Jesus. We want to think about the choice that was made by Pilate, a choice uh, to uh, either exonerate Jesus or to condemn Jesus. And then finally, we want to think about our choice, about how we think about Jesus ourselves. But first, as we're turning to this passage, uh, it is bear- it's worth bearing in mind that up until this point, uh, we've been looking at all the choices that Jesus has been making. You remember how Jesus 
uh, had predicted that he was going to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. And yet, having said that, Jesus made the choice to still go to Jerusalem. You remember when Jesus was in the garden, that Jesus was uh, quite conscious that it wasn't just the end of his physical life that was on the horizon, but that what he was about to endure was a cup of the Lord's suffering. He was going to experience the wrath of God. And Jesus, again, in spite of knowing what was coming, submitted ultimately saying, your will be done. Jesus made a choice. When Jesus was arrested, he went to meet Judas. Uh, Our betrayer is at hand, let us go. And Jesus showed no resistance to the efforts of seizing him, telling Peter to put away his sword. Jesus made a choice, believing that this was part of God's plan. And even when Jesus was before the Jewish Sanhedrin, and they, they challenged him directly, the high priest challenged him, saying, tell us if you are the son of the blessed one. Jesus made the choice to answer that question. And not only did he affirm it, but he affirmed it by saying that he was the promised ruler of the world. That he is the Christ, but he is also the one that all the nations of the earth are given to, and that his kingdom will never end. You remember that what Jesus said to the Sanhedrin was viewed as blasphemy, because he was equating what was attributed to God, ruler of the nations of the world, and applying it to himself. You will see me riding on the clouds. And so Jesus made grand claims, but he made the choice of saying those things. And there we came to a a clear revelation of how Jesus wanted people to look at him. This is who he claims to be. And so all of these things up until this point have been accenting the choices that Jesus has made. But uh, even though they condemn Jesus as being worthy of death, We have to remember that at this time, uh, Judea is under the Roman rule. The Jewish Sanhedrin had authority on religious matters, but they didn't have any civil authority to put someone to death. And so they have to bring them to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, if they're going to carry out their wishes. And so it says there in verse 1, as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Pilate was, uh, uh, as mentioned, the Roman governor over Judea and Pal- or Palestine. He was the longest serving uh, governor of that uh, district, uh, stretching over a decade. Uh, but it wasn't a very desirable uh, position or a very desirable post because Judea had a reputation for being a very rebellious uh, area, a very rebellious nation. Uh, And Pilate, by outside sources, had a reputation for being uh, very hard and stubborn and inflexible with people, uh, dealing with this very difficult matter. But they bring uh, Jesus to Pilate uh, because they want, uh, ultimately, Jesus to be put to death. As the Roman governor, Pilate alone has the power to acquit or to condemn someone uh, to death. But as we hear the name of Pilate, it also calls attention to something else. Uh, Many of us are familiar with uh, what is known as the Apostles' Creed. And strangely enough, Pilate enters into one of the earliest creeds of the Christian faith. 
that Jesus was born of Mary, but then it goes on to say that he was suffered under Pontius Pilate. All of that is a reminder to us that the Christian faith is one that is rooted in history, that we are dealing with someone who was the governor between 26 AD and 36 AD, someone who was the governor, the fifth prefect over Judea. He is someone whose own story is now forever linked with what happened to Jesus. And inescapably, Pilate's name is imprinted into eternity. That what he does will never be forgotten. And so as we come to this, we see that Pilate is wrapped up into the story of Jesus. But when they bring Jesus to Pilate, they bound him and they led him away to Pilate. They have to bring charges against Jesus that are going to convince Pilate that this man deserves death. What are the charges that they can bring that would justify putting him to death? And the best charge that they can bring is is that this man is uh, a political threat to the Roman Empire. This man is claiming to be the king of the Jews. This man is someone who is seeking to overthrow the Romans. And so as they bring him to Pilate, they present their charges uh, of Jesus being the king of the Jews. And you'll notice that throughout this 15th chapter, the language or the title, King of the Jews, uh, appears, but then it continues to resurface again and again. This is the King of the Jews. Uh, it becomes the central focus of thinking about Jesus. And so Pilate naturally asks Jesus, are you then the King of the Jews? And Jesus answers there with that cryptic answer, you have said so. Why does Jesus answer that way? When Pilate asks the question, are you the king of the Jews? When we hear the word king, it comes with all kinds of connotations with it, uh, which lends itself to misunderstanding. A king we think of as a ruler. Uh, Oftentimes we think of someone who has power and force behind them, someone who has a, a military behind them, someone who is a threat to another empire. And so to say, are you the king of the Jews, Pilate uh, has the connotation with that, that, that Jesus is trying to have an uprising, uh, that, that to speak about a king of the Jews lends itself to thinking that this is someone who is trying to overthrow the Roman government. And so Jesus is very careful here because he is trying to answer the question in a way that's nuanced. He is not wanting to affirm misconceptions about what it means to be the king of the Jews. But neither does he want to deny that he's the king of the Jews. That Jesus wants a right understanding of who he is. And so he cannot deny that he's the king of the Jews. But he does not want to affirm what they are trying to impugn against him. That he is trying to raise up and overthrow the Roman government by physical force. And so he puts it back by saying, actually, this is something that uh, they themselves are saying, not something that he himself uh, uh, has put forward. But then it tells us that they continue to uh, make all kinds of accusations at them. Pilate again asks them, have you no answer to make? And it tells us that Jesus made no further answer. And so Pilate was amazed. We read there in Isaiah how it says that the one who is a servant of the Lord would be rejected by men. And also that he would be like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, that so he opened not his mouth. But notice as Jesus is doing that, 
it tells us that Pilate was amazed. All these accusations are coming against Jesus, and Jesus doesn't even respond to them. And Pilate, that word amazed, oftentimes has the idea of being impressed. Uh, Here is a man who shows great composure, even when his life is dangling, uh, even when his own life is at threat. And so uh, we are seeing the the choices uh, that Jesus has made already leading up to this point, but also Jesus' choice to be silent even before the governor. But we want to look especially at the crowd's choice. It says in verse 6 that at the feast he used to, this is speaking about Pilate, at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison, one who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. Pilate uh, uh, would have recognized the gravity of the charge, that this is a political threat. Someone is trying to overthrow the Roman Empire. And at the same time, Pilate was shrewd enough to realize that this was driven by envy. Uh, This was a matter of jealousy. This was not a real threat to the Roman Empire as they were presenting it. And so uh, Pilate uh, is looking for an easy way out of this situation. Um, In Luke's account, Pilate plainly says that he found no guilt with Jesus. But it tells us that on this occasion uh, that it was the practice uh, to release one prisoner uh, for them. That was a a practice in the ancient world, that amnesty would be given at times marked by celebration. Uh, And the people expected that during celebration occasions. And the the Feast of Passover would uh, be one of those times. And so the people are coming to Pilate with that expectation that he would release for them uh, one person. Uh, And it tells us here of one individual in uh, particular, a man named Barabbas. Uh, Barabbas is identified by two things. One, he was involved in an insurrection. That means he was trying to overthrow the Roman uh, uh, presence in in an area. He was part of a plot to overthrow uh, the Roman government. Uh, But more than that, he was connected with murder. Uh, That he was a murderer and connected with a a group of uh, individuals who had murdered individuals. So this was someone of a... Uh, a fighter uh, for their national liberty, uh, Barabbas, and who had been imprisoned. And he is uh, sent forward as one of the individuals that was in prison. But Pilate here uh, tries to uh, propose that they release Jesus. He says, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Uh, This is the man that uh, must be welcomed and embraced by many if he is described as the king of the Jews. Do you want me to simply let him go? Uh, But we're told here uh, that instead the people asked for Barabbas uh, and that the chief priests had stirred them up in that response. That's kind of a a questionable thing. Why is it that the crowds wanted Barabbas? They wanted Barabbas here, it seems, uh, we could say, because he was fighting for something of their interest. Uh, for people living under the Roman rule. Barabbas was embodying that spirit that their greatest threat was around them, that they needed to be delivered from the Romans. And he was, in that sense, a hero for their national identity. He was, he was a man who was fighting 
and who went to prison for, the, for his position. And on the other side, you have this Galilean who is teaching people that their greatest problem actually lies within and that they need to be delivered from the power of sin. And so you could say, on one hand, the people may have been stirred because they were so wanting to be delivered from the Romans. They're so angry with the Romans that they would rather have Barabbas uh, than to have Jesus. But there may be other factors as well. Uh, one, we have to remember uh, that the size of this crowd might have been quite small. Why do I say that? Because in Mark 15, you'll notice that Mark is very careful about the sequence of time on this day. He tells us about what is happening every few hours. And all of these events took place well before 9 a.m. Because Jesus isn't crucified until uh, 9 a.m. So this is happening in the early hours of the morning. So the crowd doesn't have to be very big. But more than that, this crowd may have been composed of people who were already sympathizers of Barabbas. If this was the custom to release one prisoner uh, already, and there were people who were already sympathizers of overthrowing the Roman government, they may have already had a, a vested interest in Barabbas being released. But however we understand it, the crowd is stirred up into a frenzy and they ask for uh, Barabbas to be released. And when Pilate asks what is to be done with the king of the Jews, they cried out, crucify him. And strikingly, when Pilate presses the matter, Pilate says, why? What evil has he done? They cried out all the more to crucify him. Here, the, the crowd had a choice. Their choice was between Barabbas and Jesus. Do you want a patriot fighter who is fighting for your national liberty? Or do you want someone who is bringing and talking about deliverance from guilt? What kind of deliverer are you looking for? And the people make their choice. And in their frenzy, they ultimately ask for Jesus to be put to death. Uh, they're so stirred up uh, by uh, the moment. And Pilate here himself uh, is uh, objecting that he sees no evil done by him. But they were crying out all the more. And so uh, as they cried out, they were sh uh, blocking out any alternative. They didn't want to reason even with Pilate here. That should be a, a warning to us. Uh, wherever we stand this morning with respect to Jesus, we need to be able to give reasons for our views. As rational creatures, we have to be able to articulate our reasons for things. Otherwise, we will become more like a mob and doing things not only without reason, but against reason. And a mob is chaos. Here is a people who are crying out for a man to be crucified, and they can't explain why. They're stirred up by groupthink. They're stirred up by their immediate environment. They're no longer processing and they're doing things recklessly. And so as we think about the, the teachings of Christ, as we think about the message of Christianity, we have to be able to use our minds and to be able to think about why we believe and what objections we might have. But we need to use our minds and not simply uh, to be reacting without uh, thought. So there's the crowd's choice. But then finally there is uh, Pilate's choice there in verse 15. 
Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. What was uh, Pilate's choice? Uh, It was a problematic choice. Uh, He had to make a choice how he was going to govern. Was he going to be someone who governed principally about how things should be done? Or was he going to govern pragmatically how to maintain control? Was he going to be someone who stood for what he believed to be true? This man has done no evil. Or was he going to be someone who made decisions by what preserved his position of power? Seeing that the crowds were uh, stirred up. And so there was a problem that he was faced with. He was uh, finding himself opposed by the majority. And so to free Jesus now would threaten his own uh, place in, uh, in the government of Rome. Uh, he would be no friend of Caesar's if he does not take this threat seriously. And so uh, uh, Pilate, if he does not maintain peace and order, uh, would himself be uh, liable. So Pilate decides to make the pragmatic choice and to have uh, Jesus condemned. In other Gospels, it tells us that Jesus, uh, that he did this public gesture, that he actually washed his hands uh, to try to disassociate himself, saying that he is not to be held guilty for this man being put to death. He doesn't want this coming back at him later on. As a consequence, he is trying to separate himself from any wrongdoing. But the thing is, is that he can't do that. Because ultimately, Jesus can't be condemned until Pilate gives the green light. He can wash his hands. He can say what he wants. But ultimately, it's his verdict that is binding. And he can't escape giving a judgment on Jesus. And Jesus will be crucified because Pilate gives the order. And so his, his problematic choice is one that ultimately needs to be answered. And Pilate uh, ultimately does give that order for Jesus to be condemned. Uh, why does he do it? Why does he reject Jesus? Because it would have been too costly to defend him. It would have cost Pilate too much. It's not expedient. And for a man that lives by what is expedient, a man that lives to maintain control, he's willing to forsake what is right and what is true. If condemning an innocent man to death was needed to maintain his position, then he would. And so he gave the orders for Jesus to be scourged and then crucified, which is the normal penalty for political rebels. He treats them as one, even though he just said he hasn't done any evil. Pilate believed that he was innocent, and yet he acted contrary to that. Pilate's choice was a compromised one, but it shows what he was ultimately controlled by, his thirst for control, his thirst for power. So we see the crowd's choice. They choose Barabbas, a patriot fighter, rather than Jesus. We see Pilate's choice, control rather than truth. But then we also have to realize there's our choice as well. We might be sitting here this morning thinking that we don't have to make a verdict on Jesus. We may feel like Pilate that we can, uh, this doesn't have anything to do with us. And yet the truth is, is that 
we can't escape giving a judgment on Jesus. We either choose to accept his claims and to believe that his death was part of God's plan of salvation to cover the sins of his people, or we choose to abstain from believing and we carry on with our life. But either way, you are making a choice. You can wash your hands, but you're still making a verdict. And how is it that we are going to make that choice? How many make choices based on what it will cost them rather than whether it's true? How often are we tempted to simply make a choice based on what we perceive as the consequences rather than what we believe to be real? How can we make sense of what happened to Jesus? When Pilate condemned Jesus, he was sent to be scourged. It's noteworthy that when you read in the Gospels, uh, the Gospels are very restrained in details about the crucifixion. They don't go on and on about the gory details. But we know the truth about the gory details. When it says that he would be scourged, it means that he would be whipped. And the whipping would be with leather uh, whips that would have plated bones or lead at the end of them. The whipping that would take place would expose the sinews of the body, sometimes the bones. And there are documents that said that not everyone even made it to the cross. Some people died just from the scourging. But here it is emphasizing just with the very short, concise statement that Jesus was beaten even before he got uh, to the cross. But again, you're hearing an echo of Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah said in the passage that we read, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. He was wounded for our transgressions, and with his stripes we are healed. Our choice respecting Jesus then doesn't have to be a guess. It can be one that is informed by facts. It is one that is based first and foremost on the claims of Jesus. Jesus makes a claim to be the savior of sinners. Jesus not only highlights the problem of our moral problem, but we all live with guilt. And as much as we try to push away guilt, our society still talks about guilt a lot. We cannot escape guilt. And so we all have to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our guilt and with the claims that here is Jesus saying, I come to solve that problem, that he is the savior of those who are guilty. But more than that, we see his sufferings as well. Jesus' experience matches the description of the servant of the Lord. In other words, God described what he would do, that the Lord would crush his servant to make many to be accounted righteous. And because what was described ahead of time helps us to understand what Jesus himself was going through, to interpret it as this is the work of God, this is God's salvation. And so we can look at Jesus in that light and make sense of his own experience. I've told this illustration before, but it is a helpful one. There was a man named Richard, a Jewish psychiatrist and a self-professed atheist. 
He recalls one time when he was confronted with Isaiah 53, and he was told that it was speaking about Jesus. He was unfazed and replied that he said it didn't prove anything, since anyone could have written these things about Jesus after the fact. But once it was shown to him that these things were written not after the crucifixion, but 700 years before, it brought a whole new light to thinking about the cross. And he came to be a believer. And he decided to follow Christ. What was the choice based on? It was based on a knowledge of what Jesus was going through in light of scripture. It was based on a knowledge of our own human predicament that our greatest problem is not external, but internal. And we all need to do and look somewheres to deal with our guilt. Are we doing the same thing as Pilate this morning? Are we trying to avoid a verdict on Jesus? Are we making choices simply to avoid problems? Are we uh, thinking that uh, we can simply focus on financial problems uh, as our greatest problem? Or do we want to know the truth and to discover the way out of all of our problems, including sin, is to see that Jesus is the one that brings an eternal rest, an eternal relief. If you're sitting here this morning still having yet to believe in Christ, then ask yourself, why not? What would be your objection? And then work on that objection. What is it that prevents me? Is it that I don't see a need of deliverance? Or I don't see how he's doing the work of God? Jesus here came to bring salvation. And he was willing to suffer uh, in the place of sinners. It says that Jesus was bound and they led him to Pilate. And then it says that Jesus was delivered to be crucified. In one sense, Jesus was bound. But in another sense, Jesus is the only one that's actually free here. He's the only one that's sinless. He's the only one that's not controlled by his sinful passions. He's the only one that's living in light of the truth. Jesus is actually willing to be bound physically in order to make the truth that we would be delivered from the bondage of sin ourselves. And whoever has the truth has freedom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think about uh, the condemnation of Jesus, the choice of the crowd, the choice of Pilate, we pray, Lord, that we would not be passive and withdrawn but to realize that we are all wrapped up in the story of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to make a verdict that is wise, to be able to recognize uh, that this man is king of the Jews, but he is also the king of the nations, that his reign is a glorious reign, that it brings peace and justice, righteousness to those who are not. And we pray, Lord, that you would grant to us uh, the ability uh, to uh, uh, embrace these things in faith. Go before us in Jesus' name.